Good morning, Janet. It's great to be here with you and all the listeners of Church Matters. And this is the program where we talk about the life of the church at home, across the street, and around the world. This program is brought to you by Mennonite Church Canada, and my name is Dan Dick. And I'm Janet Plennert. Good morning, Dan. Today is part one of a two-part series on the church's role in apartheid in South Africa and truth and reconciliation processes. Our guest with us is Dr. Pete Maring of Pretoria, South Africa. He has been deeply involved in truth and reconciliation processes. But first, our scripture for today. Taken from Romans chapter 12, we have an excellent guide to living peacefully in all aspects of life. Verse 21 summarizes the chapter with a simple but challenging exhortation. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Our guest today is Dr. Pete Maring. Dr. Maring is an ordained minister in the Dutch Reformed Church, a theology professor at the University of Pretoria, and has co-authored or authored about 30 books. He's been deeply involved in apartheid issues in South Africa for over three decades. Most recently, he served with South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission and has since been invited to serve as an advisor in a similar process in Rwanda. Thank you, Dr. Maring, for taking this time and welcome to Church Matters. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Janet. Nice of you to have me. Dr. Maring, I understand that the Dutch Reformed Church was closely tied to the political powers of South Africa during the apartheid years. Now, what has been the Dutch Reformed Church's response and role in the South Africa's truth and reconciliation process? Janet, you're quite correct. The Dutch Reformed Church was the first church to be established in the country. When the Dutch settled in the Cape in 1652, they brought one church for them. And uh, the history of the church and the sentiments of the church reflected that of the people. It is indeed true, and it's, it's uh, a shame to us that over so many years the church also reflected the racial prejudice in the country. Uh, the Dutch Reformed Church unfortunately not only ha- happily lived with apartheid, but also provided a theology for apartheid. And that was sad. There were voices that tried to uh, talk against that and to call the church to, to another stance. But uh, officially, the church up till around about 1980-1985 was the church of apartheid. And we had, at the end, shamefacedly stand before the nation and say not only to the people outside the country, not only to the victims in South Africa that was hurt by apartheid, but especially to our own church members that we led down the garden path, that apartheid was not only sinful, but it was a heresy. So what does the church do when it changes its mind on something as foundational as that? It was deeply disturbing for many congregants. How on earth is it possible that you, over so many decades, could tell us with a Bible under your arm that apartheid was correct, and now with the same Bible under the same arm, you tell us that it was wrong. But we had to do it. We really thought that it was not only pressure from outside and questions from inside, but it was the Spirit of God working in the church, really persuading us that indeed apartheid was wrong. Apartheid went out from the stance of the irreconcilability of people. And we came to realize, but that is totally against the gospel. It goes out from the view that people can be reconciled by God through Jesus Christ. And, and in the end, it's disturbing, but it's also very liberating if you can come to the point where you say, please forgive, we are wrong. 
when there was a famous theologian from Stellenbosch University, a man called Willy Jonker, who was very highly regarded in Afrikaans circles, and at a big conference at uh, Rustenburg in Transvaal, he stood up in a big gathering, and on behalf of all the Afrikaners, he said, I need to say sorry about apartheid. Uh, Desmond Tutu was there. He was chairing the meeting, and he got up and he embraced uh, Willy Jonker and said, if you ask for forgiveness, what but uh, embracing you can we do? We accept your apology. And there were tears and there was healing. And that was, in a sense, what happened in many instances in the country, that I was often amazed by the way in which people who were hurt by the church were willing just to, to say, we accept your apology and we embrace you. Dr. Maring, I understand that in 1995, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission was established in South Africa. What was the church's role in that? After the change came in apartheid and after the inauguration of Mandela as the new president, one of the last issues that needed to be settled in the country was that of the past. Uh, Can we close the books or should we keep the books open? The churches were highly involved from the start in drafting the uh, Act of Reconciliation, also in guiding the process uh, and in guiding the victims and the perpetrators who entered into the process. There was no way by which the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa could do its work but without the role and the help of the churches. There were people, detractors in the country, who said, but this is a legal process, keep the churches out. But Tutu very quickly realized and persuaded his fellow commissioners that in a country where maybe 80% of the population see themselves as Christians or belonging to other faiths, that you cannot speak about reconciliation and forgiveness if you don't make it rest on the deep spiritual convictions of the people. Now, what are the conditions that need to exist for reconciliation to happen? Reconciliation can happen. You can never organize it. Uh, we come, came to realize that microwave oven reconciliation doesn't last. But it can happen. But there are a number of prerequisites. Uh, I can think of at least five. Firstly, you need a clear definition of reconciliation. If you don't know what you are going for, you won't get there. And that was a problem for us. Uh, some people had a very strict legal definition of reconciliation. Others had a more deeply religious concept of reconciliation, but that was the first issue to be settled. What what are we going for? The second one was that truth and reconciliation really go together. We decided or realized very soon that uh, it's not about amnesia. It's about the truth. It's about remembering. And the truth can hurt you. The truth can set you back for a while. But in the end, the truth will set you free. So we, we do need the truth in order to have reconciliation. Thirdly, uh, justice and reconciliation are two sides of the same coin. There's no way by which uh, people can can feel at ease with the process of amnesty and of reconciliation if there's not an idea of feeling that justice will prevail in the community. The fourth prerequisite is that you need strong leadership. We were so fortunate that we had the likes of Mandela and Desmond Tutu and others who could lead the country, but they could do it because behind them stood a number of lesser-known leaders, men and women, young people, who were with them, behind them. You really need strong leadership 
for, for that. It's not for the lily livet. If you want to be a bridge, tell that to the Mennonites. If you want to be a bridge, people will walk all, all across you, and it can be painful. But, but you need that. As lastly, you need to put processes uh, in, in the thing. You, need, you really need to help people uh, discover the methodology of reconciliation, how to empower the victims to be willing to forgive, how to persuade the, the perpetrators that they should go and ask for forgiveness. You used the word processes in your fifth point there, and I want to I want to latch on to that for just a second. Can you tell us about the process in which the church rereads the Bible, reconsiders Scripture, and then comes out at a different answer than they had before? Yeah, it's very difficult. Usually, it, it takes a long time. In in the Dutch Reformed Church. Uh, apartheid was since 1948 the official policy of the government. Even in in the time at that time, there were voices within the Dutch Reformed Church who said, "But this is all wrong." And for many years, there were these two lines running through the church. The the big voice was that of people who were in favour of apartheid, but there were also always these people, like David Bosch and a man called Bayer Nodier, who was almost the Dietrich Bonhoeffer of South Africa, and a few others who kept asking difficult questions, and uh, so it's it's a long process of persuading people. Uh, I really believe that that of course that the Holy Spirit played a part in that to really bring people to the point where they came to the conclusion, which is a painful conclusion that we had it all wrong. But you, you, need, you need to keep niggling and uh, praying and hoping that, that the, the Lord will really help you. You read Romans 12. At a certain stage, the Holy Spirit really helps you to, to, th- uh, to think in a new way. That concludes part one of our two episodes on the Truth and Reconciliation hearings in South Africa and the Church's role in them. Our guest today has been Dr. Pete Maring, theology professor, author, and leader at several levels of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation hearings. To learn more about forgiveness and reconciliation, visit the Mennonite Church Canada Resource Centre at mennonitechurch.ca. You can also learn more about the Anabaptist presence in South Africa by visiting www.anisa.org.za. That's A-N-I-S-A dot O-R-G dot Z-A. As always, we welcome your comments on this or any of the Church Matters programs. And we invite your prayer and financial support of Mennonite Church Canada. I'm Janet Plennert. My name is Dan Dick, and you've been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for joining us. As you go out from here, May the Lord go with you, the face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.